0: Compass Church, it's great to be back with you. It's great to be back with you this morning, and uh, I got to have lunch with your new pastor, Jeff. So it's like Jeff squared, you know. And uh, it was great to have lunch with him, and I think it's really exciting what God's going to do through His leadership here at the Compass. So I'm excited to see how God takes this church under Jeff's leadership and takes you down the road. Um, this morning, I'd like to pray before we get started. So if you if you pray with me, it'd be awesome. Lord God, we just pray that you'd open our eyes so we might see wondrous things in your word. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Now, you saw that merry-go-round in the playground there, right? The the one with the the red one where the girl was in the middle and she was hanging on. remember when my kids were little, like two, four, six, and eight, put them on that merry-go-round. And then dad, of course, would run around as fast as he could with the merry-go-round as fast as I could many times around, and they'd, they'd love it. They'd get dizzy. I'd get dizzy. Right, everybody get off the merry-go-round and stagger around and like, ooh, let's do that again, you know. Then, of course, they graduated to the more uh, intense dizzy rides, the ones at the carnival, right, where you get on and you're spinning six different directions and you get off and you can't even find your equilibrium. Now, those used to be fun for me. (laughs) They're not so fun anymore. In fact, they really became unfun for me when I was in my late 20s. I developed this condition called vertigo. First time I ever had it was in my late 20s. It's, it's a crazy thing. It's like in your middle ear, something goes haywire, and it throws off your equilibrium. So when you have vertigo, literally, I woke up one morning, I sat up in my bed, and the whole room began to spin. And I couldn't make it stop. It was like I was on a roller coaster, one of those spinny rides, and I couldn't get off. I mean, I didn't want to get out of bed because I thought if I get out of bed and put my feet on the floor and try to walk, I'm going to just tip over. It was the craziest thing. When you have vertigo like this, you are completely disoriented. And uh, you literally feel like your head's kind of floating above your body like this. It's really weird. It's not, not pleasant. In fact, when you have it, you want to just get over it because you can't really function with vertigo. Well, I was reading a book in the last couple months, and the writer suggested that people can get spiritual vertigo. That we can lose our orientation spiritually. That we can start to spin and get dizzy spiritually. We can lose our spiritual equilibrium. I started to think about this and thought, well, that's a pretty interesting concept. I thought, you know, back in the beginning of time, God took a world that was chaotic and he ordered it and brought harmony to it and peace to it and wholeness to it. And then his archenemy re-entered that world and brought back the chaos. And his archenemy sowed the seeds of chaos throughout the world and even inside of people. And that led to spiritual vertigo, spiritual spinning, if you would. People began to spin spiritually, get out of control. The enemy sowed those seeds. And ever since, people have been spiritually out of order, so to speak. Now you say, well, how does that chaos lead to people being out of order? Well, the chaos the enemy sows perpetuates the lie of the enemy. You know what the main lie of the enemy is? It's this, that God is not good, that God does not love or care about you, and that God does not have any power to enter into your situation and change your circumstances. Yeah, the enemy's lie is that God is not to be trusted. So he sows these seeds of chaos in the world, trying to convince people that God has left them. And people buy the lie. When people buy the lie, they become spiritually disoriented. They lose their connection to their God. When you lose your connection to your God, when you stop trusting your God, when you stop believing that God has your best in mind, you become spiritually disoriented. You get spiritual vertigo. So this morning I have a question for you. Can you think of people, things, or experiences that have disoriented you spiritually? Now when I read that question for the first time, my mind flooded with examples in my life. When I became convinced that God had left me, that God was no longer good, he didn't really care about my life, he didn't have any power to step in and move in a mighty way through the circumstances of my life. I remember the first time I got spiritual vertigo, when my brother Chris was born. I'm the oldest of five children. So uh, my brother Chris is 13 years younger than I am. And I remember when my mom was pregnant with him, we were thinking, okay, the fifth child... It's going to be awesome. We, we already had a plan. It was a boy. We didn't know it was a boy because, you know, they didn't have any of those uh, ultrasound things back then. So we were thinking, my brother and I, my brother Scott and I, we, were going to pl- we had plans to make this kid into the next professional athlete, you know, whoever he was. We had a training program already laid out for him before he was born. So the day came for him to be born, and my mom went to the hospital. My grandparents came over, and we figured, okay, fifth child has to come out quickly, right? I, that's what I was thinking. So four hours go by, no word from the hospital. By 9 o'clock at night, my youngest brother has to go to bed. By 10 o'clock, my sister has to go to bed. By 11 o'clock, I'm sent to bed. No word from the hospital. When I woke up the next morning, my dad was in the kitchen on the phone. He was talking about my mom almost dying in the delivery process. My brother, Chris, almost dying in the delivery process. He came out feet first the first time. They pushed him back in and turned him around. He came out head first the next time with a cord around his neck. They pushed him back a second time. Took him on emergency C-section, and for 45 minutes, a doctor worked on my brother Chris to get him to breathe for the first time. We didn't know what this would mean at the time, but my brother Chris has had cerebral palsy, severe cerebral palsy, his whole life. His hands don't work. They're twisted like this. His mouth doesn't work. He talks in a machine, typing with his toes. He can't really walk, kind of a little bit. He mostly lives in a wheelchair. I remember when he was born. I remember sitting at the table, the dining room table, with my family, and our pastor was over. I remember my, my mom saying, "What did we do? Why is God punishing us?" I remember those questions. I remember thinking, "Wow, our life was just cruising along, and all of a sudden we got this now." And for forty-one years, you know, Chris has been a person who has struggled in this cast. Now, I want to tell you. My brother Chris is one of the most amazing people in the world. He got his college education typing his, feet, his, uh, his papers with his feet. He speaks in front of churches typing with his feet. It's, it's great. Actually, he can preach a sermon and fall asleep during his own sermon because it just speaks for him. That's, that's my joke to him all the time. <laughs> he appreciates that joke. But at the time, my, my, my family was spinning, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to think. We didn't know what had happened. How could our little brother be in this condition, this situation? So what do you do when you get spiritual vertigo? What happens when you start to spin, lose your equilibrium? You get disoriented spiritually when you lose your connection with this good, loving, powerful God. Well, the Bible offers many prescriptions, many solutions, many uh, places to turn. The the first one we want to talk about this week is, it says that we're supposed to walk with God. If you think about it, it's the first thing that mankind ever did in the Garden of Eden. When God made man, Adam and Eve, every day it says that God walked through the Garden and Adam and Eve walked with Him. It's the first thing they ever did. Now, now in order to help you understand this, uh, I'll tell you a little story. My wife likes to shop sometimes. And she likes me to go with her. Now this is a problem for me because I do not like the shop. Can you relate, guys? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe some of the guys are like, some of the girls are going, I can relate. So so I, so I make her tell me before we leave, I say, okay, honey, where are we going and what are we going to get? Because I want to be on a mission. You know, I want to get there, get in the store, get this done, get home as fast as I can. You get it, right? So she, gets, she, she tells me what we're doing, where, where we're going, what the purpose is, I get out of the car, I park that car, get out of the car. I'm like, here we go, here we go, here we go. I'm just on a mission. And here's what usually happens. I start walking and all of a sudden I realize, where's my wife? My wife has stopped back here a few steps from the car and she's standing like this as I'm running toward the store. And I turn back and say, honey, what's going on? I thought we were going shopping. Let's go. It's a mission. And she says, honey, can you just walk with me, please? Oh, brother. (laughs) So I put my tail between my legs, and I slink back over, get her hand, and realize, oh, the real mission here is for us to be together. I see. I get it now. (laughs) Now, I I sometimes wonder if God wants to ask us that question. Would you just walk with me, please? Don't run out ahead of me. Just walk with me. I'm right here. You know, when you walk with somebody, you actually are saying to them you care about them. You love them. You like them. You don't even mind being identified with them. I remember when I was a, a young dad and my two little girls, first and third grade, we had three block walk to school every morning. I'd go hand in hand with those two girls. I'd adjust my big daddy steps to their little girl steps. We'd walk along the sidewalk. Sometimes we'd talk, sometimes we wouldn't say a word. It didn't matter, because we were walking together. Have you ever thought about what it means to walk with God? Not for God to walk with you, but for you to walk with Him. You know, know, in in the the Bible, people's whole lives are summarized by their walk with God. Literally. It's like the meaning of their life is centrally located in in their quality of their walk with God. That nothing else really matters, except for their walk with God. Genesis says that Enoch walked with God. It says that Moses walked with God so closely that he knew God face to face like a man knows his friend. It says that David walked so closely with God, so intimately with him, he was a man after God's own heart. I I could talk about Hezekiah or Josiah or Daniel, I could keep going. Person after person in the Scriptures, walk with God summarizes their whole life. So what does it look like? What does it mean to have a walk with God like this? Well, the Hebrew words indicate that you're supposed to walk with God aware of the fact that God is before you and behind you and alongside of you and over you and within you. God's before you, behind you, alongside of you, over you, and within you. And you walk with God, not like a, a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And it's more like a winding road, back and forth, to and fro. That's how it describes it. It's the word walk means in Hebrew. It's halach. It's this word walk. So what's involved in that? How do you do that? What's it look like? Well, the Hebrews actually in the Bible gives us a number of clues into that. The first one it talks about is in Numbers chapter 15. Numbers 15, God gives his people these instructions. The Lord said to Moses, this is verse 37, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come you are to make tassels in the corners of your garments with a blue cord in each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lusts of your own hearts and eyes. Then you remember to obey all the commands and will be consecrated to the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Well, what's this talking about? Well, the Israelites took that and they developed this. This is a prayer shawl. And the Israelites took God's words in Numbers 15, literally. And they, they designed this prayer shawl to have 613 threads... So we remind them of the 613 laws in the Torah about what it meant to walk with God. And then they added those tassels that it talks about. These tassels are very symbolic because there's 5 knots in the tassels. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And there's 4 spaces in the tassels. Y H W H. So the Israelites were given a kind of a tool To remind them to intentionally walk with their God. That every day, every part of their life was to be filled walking with God. Knowing that he was before them, behind them, beside them, over them, and within them. And this was their intentional reminder that they were to walk with him each and every day. When Jesus told them to go in their prayer closet, this is what he meant. to be alone with God. So walking with God requires some intentionality. The question is, as you go through life and encounter spiritual vertigo, what reminds you to walk with God every day? What's your intentional plan to be walking with God each and every day? I mean, you're probably not gonna wear one of these, but what is it that you're gonna do to remind yourself that every day You have to intentionally walk with your God. Get a hold of his hand and be with him. And if you do this, you'll be reminded that he is good. That he loves you. That he's got all the power in the world to deal with your circumstances. That that, that the enemy has sown into your life or that you've sown into your life. That God's got that. If you intentionally walk with him each and every day. So the first thing involved in walking with God... The first cure to spiritual vertigo is to intentionally do it each and every day. The second one is found in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. God says this, You will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Do you know what your father's voice sounds like? If he called out to you, would you recognize it? I'll never forget my firstborn son, the experience in the delivery room. My wife went through a really long labor, thirty-six hours, two full nights of labor. I'll never forget this timing, this and being up all night for two nights and waiting for Ben to be born. And actually, all of our kids came out C-section, so it was not a not a fun time <laughs> to go through the childbirth thing. I'm sure much less fun for my wife than for me. You know what I'm saying? So I looked worse than her though somehow after the C-sections. I don't know how that worked, but so we're in the delivery room and. Um, my son, Ben, is born, and I'm with my wife, who's gone through the ringer, and I'm holding her hand over here, and they take Ben out, and they walk him over to this table over there, and he immediately starts to scream and yell as they poke him and prod him and do all the stuff they do to new babies. And I don't want to leave my wife, because I just feel like my wife just needs me to be with her. And so I'm sitting here, but I want to go to my new son. He's screaming. My wife's not doing well. I'm holding her hand, and I'm like, oh, man, what do I do? And so I just did this. I said, Hey, Benjamin, it's okay. Daddy's here. As soon as I talked, that kid's head turned in my direction. He stopped crying. He knew his father's voice. I mean, he had heard this annoying voice for nine months <laughs> before he was born. It was recognizable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's recognizable. So he just turned and looked. Now, I wonder how many of us, actually, if our father called to us, would recognize his voice. If we're spinning in circles, if we're disoriented, can we quiet ourselves long enough to hear the, the voice of God say, This is the way, walk in it. Go this way, do it that way. We'd be like my son Ben when we just know his voice or tune into it and ready to listen to what he has to say. Walking with God means that you hear your father's voice and you follow it and you go with it. There's more to walking with God. One of my favorite passages, 1 Kings chapter 8. Solomon is bringing the, te- the uh, Ark of the Covenant into the new temple that he's built. So he's bringing the Ark of the Covenant in. There's all kinds of fireworks going on. And then Solomon um, leads the people in a prayer. I want you to just notice Solomon's posture as he, as he prays. So listen to this. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven... And said. And then for the next 32 verses, he prays. So Solomon starts like this. He stands like this before the people and begins to pray to his God. And notice this you get to verse 54. Look what it says When Solomon had finished all these prayers and these supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out toward heaven. So somewhere during his prayer, Solomon's like this, and because of his prayer and his awe of God and his worship of the Lord, he gets on his knees and continues to pray like this. When's the last time you found yourself in this position? You know that in the Old Testament, the community of Israel, a number of times, the whole community of Israel bows on their knees with their faces before the Lord? When's that happen in the American church? Hardly ever. Walking with God is revering Him. It's bowing before His feet in worship, in awe. That's walking with our God. Do you know that in the Old Testament... When Jehoshaphat's threatened by this huge army, God sends the choir out to sing praises to God and the army, the enemy, falls before the choir. Folks, when we worship God, we battle spiritual vertigo. When we worship God and get ourselves in the proper position before the Lord, the enemy and his tactics melt away. When we worship God, we get to experience the goodness the love and the power of God together in the community of people that are worshiping Him and bowing before Him. You want to get over your spiritual vertigo? Get on your knees before the Lord and worship Him. Sometimes in my car, I just put on, I have on my, my iPhone a bunch of worship selections. I just plug them into my car and I just drive along worshiping. I'm sure the people next to me think I'm nuts because I'm not, not just talking to myself, I'm singing to myself as I go down the road. Who cares? I want to walk with my God. It keeps me balanced. It keeps me centered. It keeps me in good equilibrium. So walking with God requires intentionality, it requires hearing the Father's voice. It requires bowing before him in worship. There's one last thing I'd like to talk about this morning uh, involved in walking with God, and that's that's actually turning to him. You know, one of the greatest. One of the greatest things the enemy sows with this spiritual vertigo is he convinces people that that God is responsible for their terrible lives. He convinces people that, you know, God did this to you. And so what happens is people get mad at the wrong person. I remember this uh, when I was, uh, my son Ben was two years old. And I got a call, I was at a school teaching where I was teaching school and... and, um, my wife calls and says, you got to come home, honey. Ben's bleeding from the neck. He fell off a stool and hit himself on the glass dog in our living room and cut his neck open. She says, I can't deal with this. So I, I run all the way home. I fly, run, drive all the way home. Ben's laying on my, my, my wife's lap. She's got a towel on his neck. She says, you just got to take him. So I take him. We go to the hospital. When I get to the hospital, the doctor says, well, you have two choices. We can either put him in a straitjacket, because I need him to be really still to stitch up his neck, or... You can pin him to the, to the stretcher. If you think you're strong enough and you can deal with this, then you can pin him to the stretcher and uh, hold him down and I'll stitch him up. So I said, look, doc, I'm strong enough. I'm going to pin that kid to the stretcher. Two-year-old kid, I mean, how hard can this be? So I pin him down. Boom. Both hands, I got him pinned down. He's kicking, screaming, carrying on. You know, I've got his head pinned. The doctor's sewing up his, his neck. This is necessary behavior on the part of the father to get the kid to be well. I got to pin him to the stretcher. the whole thing gets over. Ben's uh, sitting there, you know, I'm signing the papers. Ben's on the edge of the stretcher, and he's doing that thing kids do, right, you know, when they've just gone bananas, and he's like, (laughs) you know, can't can't get his breath. And so I said to him, I said, hey, Ben, hey, Ben, uh, let's go, buddy. It's time to go home. It's all over. This is exactly what he did. (laughs) I'm like, Ben, I did not tip you off the stool and cut open your neck, dude. I was the guy who brought you over to get you fixed. You don't get it, Ben. Come on, Ben, let's go home. Ah! I'm like, Ben, you're mad at the wrong guy. This is not my fault. Ah! I said, okay, Ben, have it your way. I'll just go out, out these curtains here. I'll just wait outside the curtains. And when you're ready, you, you call me in and we'll go home. So I started walking out the curtains. All of a sudden I hear this little voice. I turn around. Here's my son. Daddy, pick you up. Daddy, pick you up. And I grab my son. I picked him up. I took him home. So many of us, when things happen in our lives and we start to spin, our lives become disoriented and we lose our equilibrium, we're just like Ben. God's got us pinned down. He's trying to get us to get fixed. We get up. God's like, okay, here we go. And you're like, we're like, eh. See, we're mad at the wrong person. We're blaming God for all the stuff that's going wrong in our life. We've bought the enemy's lie that that God is not good. He doesn't love us. He has no power to deal with our situation. If you want to walk with God, you got to be like this. Daddy, pick you up. Daddy, pick you up. Every time you become disoriented, Daddy, pick you up. You've got to choose to trust him, to turn to him, to rely on him, because he is the God who covers you. This comes from the scripture, Psalm 91. You know this psalm, I'm sure. I'll read it to you. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. The Lord your God, he's got you. He's got you. You just need to walk with him to remind yourself when you're spinning that he's got you. Now, sometimes we all need a reminder that God is with us. I was reading this devotional at my in-law's house, and uh, I don't know who wrote it. I can't remember the lady's name, but I was just picked it up off the table and started reading it. And in the one chapter, the woman wrote—maybe you know who this is. Maybe one of you can tell me afterwards— the woman wrote um, something about needing to be reminded that God was with her. That sometimes she just needs to be reminded that God's got this. So she asked God if he would be willing to kind of send her some ladybugs to remind her of this. So that every time she saw a ladybug, she would just be reminded that God had her, that he was with her, that he, he's got this. Now I thought, okay, that's kind of weird. You know, I mean, ladybugs, I don't know, they're, they're everywhere. You know, I mean, you know, I've seen epidemics of ladybugs in my neighborhood, you know. So I'm thinking, I don't know. I need something more manly if I'm going to make this request. So I asked God for a monarch butterfly, much more manly. Don't you think? I said, God, if, you, if you're with me, I need you to send me some monarch butterflies just to let you know that you're with me. Just remind me. now. This, you know, some people are going to say, well, you're not supposed to test God. I'm not, I'm not testing God. I'm just saying sometimes we need to be reminded that he's there. I think God wants to remind us. I think God wants to let us know that He's with us. So I prayed this prayer and said, God, okay, just send me some monarch butterflies. And occasionally I would see one fly across the front of my car and I'd be like, okay, God, thanks. You're with me today. Then I went to this camp to speak. I was in my 40s and I was getting a little older. You know, I wasn't as cool as I once was. When I was in my 20s, I was really cool. But now in my 40s, you know these these middle school kids I was going you know, to speak to these thirteen fourteen year olds. They're I, I know they were thinking you know this is like my grandpa coming to speak to us, <laughs> not this cool guy right. So so I'm sitting here thinking okay I'm, I'm kind of nervous. I'm thinking oh man this is going to be terrible. And I remember that just I was kind of freaking out and I was just praying God I need you to know you're with me here. I know you, you got you got this. So I went down to the chapel and I was talking to these girls in the front row. There were three of them, three little middle school girls. And I was just kind of striking up a conversation thing. i got to get my, my groove on with these middle school kids a little bit, you know. Kind of figure out what's going on in their heads. As I'm talking to them, the one girl says to me, Hey, look, there's a butterfly on your shoulder. Sure enough, I look over. On my left shoulder, had landed a monarch butterfly. I'm like, yeah, that's interesting, girls. God is with me. He's got this week. He's got this. You know, I, I told this story at camp. One girl said, she said, I decided to test out your silly theory. I went out in the woods and asked for something really big. I asked for like a deer. <laughs> at least it wasn't like an elephant or something, you know. And she says, I go out there and I'm standing in the woods. I'm like, okay, God, if you're really with me, I need to see a deer. And she said, "I stood there for I don't know five, six, seven minutes, and nothing happened." So I thought, I, I, "This is see, I told you this was a bunch of baloney." And she turned around and go back to camp. And she spun around, and the path in front of her was a, a full blown buck with antlers and everything. Because God is good; He loves us, and He wants you to know that He has the power to deal with anything that's causing you to spin, be disoriented in your life. So walk with him. Walk with him before you, behind you, alongside you, over you, and within you. And you'll find balance and strength. Get through anything life throws your way. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you, Lord, that we can trust in your faithfulness. We can trust in your goodness and your love and your power. Thank you, God, that if we walk with you, you will give us the strength and the fortitude and the shelter to make it through anything the world throws our way. In your name we pray.